Hello, and welcome to this episode of Every Current. I'm your co-host, Bill Florence, and today we've got a great topic to discuss, supply chains and how it impacts the energy industry. My guest today is Robin Bedillion. Robin, hello. Thank you for joining us, and please tell us a little bit about yourself first. Hi, Bill. Thanks for having me. So, hi, everyone. I'm Robin Bedillion, and I'm a principal project manager at EPRI. I've been at EPRI for a little over 16 years, uh, working in various sectors throughout the Institute. For the last two years, I've been in our energy systems and climate analysis group, and for most of that time, have been helping to lead some of the more institute-wide research around supply chain. Robin, so, of course, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, the issue of supply chains, everybody was you know, familiar with that, with not seeing, you know, uh, paper towels or uh, no toilet paper in the grocery stores and things like that. But from an energy industry standpoint, I mean, it hit a little bit differently. Why are we looking at this right now uh, and what's what's maybe going on and what's changed or what what's what's happening? Yeah, yeah. So from the, the energy perspective, EPRI's been doing our analyses around the deep decarbonization um, and what it'll take to to have deep decarbonization in the energy sector and in the economy as a whole. And as part of those analyses, we're seeing near term some really significant deployment of wind, solar PV and batteries, both for stationary storage and in electric vehicles. And when we look at these massive deployments of these technologies over the next 10 to 15 years, the question comes up of, do we actually have the supply chain to be able to meet some of uh, these deployment needs. And so we've kind of taken a step back and in 2022 developed a white paper that really looked at what is the supply chain around these technologies, where there's some potential challenges or risks and bottlenecks, and what is some of the work that we can do um, as an institute and as an industry to try to address these for meeting some of these deep decarbonization goals. You know, I've read the report. And it's a great piece of uh, of research, uh, but um, share with us more about what's in there, some of the highlights from that the report, please. Great. Yeah. So we looked at the supply chain for these technologies from a few different perspectives. Uh, we looked at the critical minerals needed to actually be building PV and lithium ion batteries. We looked at the manufacturing capabilities and where they were concentrated and if we had enough uh, capacity to build these, this equipment, and then looked at some of the geopolitical considerations around these different um, minerals and manufacturing capabilities and where they were located in the world. And then especially at the time, transportation was another uh, key hot topic that was taking place at the time. So looked a little bit at the transportation piece also. Robin, you mentioned critical minerals. What are some of these critical minerals? Uh, some of the, the key ones that we've been paying attention to um, are especially the minerals that are needed for lithium ion batteries. So lithium, cobalt, manganese, or nickel are some of the, the minerals that really are used in lithium ion batteries and, and key to being able to deploy those for, for uh, silicon, crystalline silicon PV panels. We're looking at the availability of um, of silicon and um, of silver for those uh, for those modules, and so those are some of the, the key minerals that we're paying attention to. You also mentioned transportation. Or is there, were, are there any other sort of considerations around that? So, 
for transportation and for um, for the lithium ion batteries used in transportation, it's a similar list of of minerals that are needed. But then also uh, rare earth elements that are sometimes used in the permanent magnet motors that are used in electric vehicles. And so those are another um, critical mineral that that we've been uh, paying attention to from the supply chain standpoint. Now, I know you're not a geologist, but I mean, what are we, again, use the term rare earth minerals. What are maybe a few of those? Rare earth elements are really a um, a pretty broad collection of elements that are found in, in s- small quantities, but actually aren't that rare. They're just uh, usually not the main mineral that's being extracted. It's more that they are a byproduct of another um, mineral that's being mined and so not found in very large quantities. And with a lot of these minerals, um, we are what we are seeing is that they're concentrated in fairly um, fairly limited locations um, across the globe and especially the current supply chain around them. So the mining um, cobalt is primarily mined in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Uh, rare earth elements have a really heavy uh, concentration in China, both for mining and especially for processing. And so we're starting to see, we're seeing those concentrations of of those critical minerals in a few select locations. Um, and that's where some of the, the real concern around um, those minerals are. Not necessarily that they aren't available, but just that they're fairly concentrated. And when we start to consider some of the geopolitical and the environmental and social considerations, um, that can be a little bit of a consideration when, when looking at the supply chain and potential risks and bottlenecks. And very, very few of those are located within the United States. So that, that is an issue for that. Let me, let me, so what are, I mean, to discuss some, so there obviously seems like there are a number of challenges there. So what are some, what can we do about those challenges? Uh, so there's um, a lot of research being done both within EPRI at the Institute and more broadly um, around critical minerals and then around technology availability in general. So uh, from the the mineral standpoint, uh, there are ways to reduce the amount of minerals that are needed for producing energy, uh, both through substituting minerals within within a technology, looking at different battery chemistries or different PV module technologies. Uh, You can also look at just if you are able to extend the life of a project or increase its efficiency for the same amount of um, material going into it, you ultimately are reducing the amount of material needed over the lifetime of the project or the amount of energy that's produced. So doing research around improving efficiencies, improving lifetimes. We also have a lot of work uh, being done around the recycling of these technologies at their end of life, being able to extract those minerals back out at the end of their lifetime and being able to then reuse those in the supply chain for making new equipment and looking at really thinking in the upfront design of a PV module or a battery about that end of life recycling. And so designing it upfront in a way that it can more easily be recycled on the back end or easily extract those minerals and get value out of it. and then kind of part of the circular economy that I know you talked about a few uh, podcasts ago with, with our circular economy uh, experts. 
Are there any global standards in place or maybe being considered in this area? Yeah, there is some research going on around that. And that's seen as a way to really help to make the supply chain overall more sustainable and more um, keeping environmental and social standards at the forefront of thought. So there is some work that's kind of been taking place in a maybe more piecemeal standpoint. The APRI Sustainability Group does do some research around those standards, bringing together supply chain experts to look at it from a sustainability perspective and really trying to up the global standards around supply chain so that you have something that you can measure your supply chain against and help encourage that the overall supply chain, both the, the mineral extraction and processing and the equipment side of things uh, is looked at from a, that holistic perspective. Now, you touched upon some of the supply chain issues for um, uh, things I think that we're very familiar with. I mean, you know, whether it's solar or wind turbines and stuff like this, but what about any sort of new uh, sort of uh, decarbonization energy sources, I mean, whether it's advanced nuclear or hydrogen or something like that, are there, are, are there the same type of supply chain issues or, or do they present their own, um, their own uh, challenges and opportunities? Yeah, that's a great question. So as we were doing our research for these near-term technologies and presenting that work, we did start to get those questions. Well, what about all these other technologies that we think we're going to need for deep decarbonization. And so, as you mentioned, that includes advanced nuclear, hydrogen, carbon capture and storage. What do we need to be thinking about there? And so we have just this year, especially within this broader scope of work, um, started to look at those supply chain needs for that kind of next generation of technologies. So looking at advanced nuclear, um, what is needed to be able to start deploying these technologies over the next uh, 10 to 15 years. And some of the challenges might be the same uh, for electrolyzers and fuel cells for hydrogen. It does come down to some mineral considerations and the amount of minerals needed for um, the catalysts or for being able to produce energy from those. For things like advanced nuclear, especially, uh, it comes down to more the manufacturing capabilities for some of those really large components, the advanced materials that might be needed for those, making sure that we have the codes and standards in place for being able to um, deploy those in, in the nuclear space, uh, meeting, meeting the standards that the nuclear industry has to meet. So we have a lot of research going on in some of our other areas, um, one of them being our advanced manufacturing methods and materials initiative that are looking at some of those next generation components that are going to be needed for for those advanced technologies um, and how we can start working today with the industry and with vendors and suppliers to be able to know that we're going to be able to deploy those at scale when those technologies are needed. And Epri's not doing this research in a silo, correct? I mean, Epri's collaborating with other uh, research bodies or uh, industry uh, organizations? Yes, yeah. And that's one of the great things about Epri is the collaboration that's taking place across the, across the industry. So um, in April of this year, there was a workshop as part of the Advanced Manufacturing Methods and Materials work that brought together 
vendors and suppliers and stakeholders and manufacturers and workforce people to all talk about some of those needs to help advance the industry. And so coming together and, and working on kind of figuring out what those next steps are. We've worked with the um, Nuclear Energy Institute to develop a roadmap for advanced reactors, identifying key steps that are needed, both supply chain related and otherwise to advance, um, to be able to meet advanced nuclear needs down the road. A lot of our recycling related research is done through with other uh, organizations and a lot of government funding helping to support some of our research areas. So um, a lot of great collaboration, I think, just across the, the industry in this space. What are some other challenges facing um, in dealing with supply chains these days? I mean, whether it's I'm sure that there's got to be some sort of like cybersecurity concerns among others, correct? Yeah, several several other areas. So cyber is definitely an area where wanting to understand the bill of materials behind uh, the software that's included in some of our advanced technologies, advanced controls. Um, so understanding kind of the whole supply chain of that software, which is a really interesting piece of work that folks in our cybersecurity team are doing. Uh, Transformers and grid infrastructure in general is another area where kind of coming out of the pandemic, we've seen some challenges around the lead time around some of this big equipment and um, being able to, to get those installed when they're needed, both replacing existing assets and the build out that's required for decarbonization in general and building out all these new wind and solar plants, you also need the the transformers on the system to be able to connect to the grid. So that uh, grid infrastructure is a really key area. And then another piece that kind of tangential to supply chain, but also really important is the workforce and having the people to be able to build these technologies, operate the plants, um, maintain the existing the existing fleet. And so that workforce piece is another one that we're paying attention to and actually did a, a companion white paper um, around w- workforce last year also. I was going to ask you, I mean, it sounds like EPRI's, EPRI's doing a lot of work uh, in a, a lot of different areas, but um, I mean, so is is that EPRI's primary role in this moving forward now? Is is is, is conducting that type of research or the in getting involved with these collaborative efforts with others? Yeah. I think we have a lot of different ways to engage. So I think one of the key things is just keeping our members informed of some of the challenges and some of these potential bottlenecks that we're identifying and uh, how, so that they're aware of it and can work on planning and trying to address it. Uh, We actually just published a white paper um, a few days ago that's talking about just the breadth of supply chain related research taking place at EPRI. It's over 30 projects that are touching on supply chain in some way, um, whether it's the recycling piece or the transformer piece or the validating new vendors that are coming onto the scene to help try to fill some of these supply chain gaps. So a lot of really great research that's taking place um, across the Institute uh, around, around these different, um, different aspects of the supply chain to try to have a good full picture of, of what's going on and, and where we might be able to help move the, the industry forward. 
you mentioned the white paper, this, this new white paper. Where can people find that white paper? Yeah, so it's a publicly available white paper. Um, if you search on EPRI.com, it's called EPRI's Research and Development to Address Supply Chain for Today and the Energy Transition. I hope they make the, um, when they make the Netflix movie out of that, I hope they, they, they make the title a little catchier, but, uh, it sounds, uh, <laughs> it sounds fascinating. Uh, it sounds fascinating. It's a great compilation of just the, the broad amount of work that we're, that is being done, um, at every from a, a lot of different perspectives. So I thought it was really interesting to compile, um, that list of work. So, so now just between us, what what do you really think about supply chain? <laughs> Just between us and all of our listeners. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They all, there, there are a lot of challenges right now. We are seeing this massive deployment of these technologies. There are some of those, the geopolitical considerations that are um, definitely something that we need to pay attention to. And as a result, we are seeing some project delays and cost increases in the near term as we're sorting through some of those challenges. But overall, I'm, I'm optimistic that we can really kind of address these challenges. And maybe it's because I'm just optimistic in general, or maybe it's because I work with a lot of really smart people who just know how to address technology challenges. But, you know, I think between technology innovation and working on some of these lifetime and efficiency challenges and the proactive research that we're doing around codes and standards and new materials and new manufacturing methods. I just, I think we've got the right people that are looking at these challenges, both within EPRI and more industry-wide and that, that we're going to that we're going to be able to, to find solutions to meeting some of these challenges and continue on this uh, pathway towards economy-wide deep decarbonization and this clean energy transition that, that we're in the middle of right now. Is there anything else that you'd like to add in closing or do you think, do you think that pretty much summed it all up? I, th- I think this, this sums it up, sums it up. Well, it's been a fascinating area of research to get involved in and, um, yeah, I've really enjoyed what I've gotten to learn so far, and I'm excited to continue to see the industry kind of work together and progress forward um, in meeting some of these challenges. Thank you, Robin. We enjoyed having you on today. As Robin mentioned earlier, if you'd like to download a copy of the report she mentioned or of any of the other reports that EPRI has done regarding supply chains, please visit www.epri.com. That's it for this episode of Every Current. I'm Bill Florence. Talk to you soon. If you like today's show, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast and feel free to share the podcast with your colleagues and friends. For more information about EPRI, please visit our website at www.epri.com. And don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter at EPRI News. Together, we are shaping the future of energy. 